Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shuerton Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas, and Orange Theory Fitness. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. We've all heard the sentence, it's difficult to make a living in the arts. That's because we presume creating art doesn't come with a guaranteed paycheck. On the other hand, we also presume being an artist comes with the freedom to do anything you want all day, like painting, playing music, hanging out in bars, and generally being a hipster or a bohemian. If you are an artist or you have one in your family, you'll know that Only one of these presumptions is true, and it's the one about the difficulty of making a living. The reasons are varied and seldom have much to do with the artistic talent of the artist. Garland Robinette, for example, has worked his way through five entire careers before finally becoming a full-time painter. Depending on your age, you may have known Garland as a news anchor on TV, a very early environmental campaigner, a spokesman for Freeport McMoran, or as one of New Orleans' most popular and influential talk radio personalities. Today, Garland is an artist who paints mostly portraits, and with his wife, Nancy Rett, is the co-owner of Robinette Studios. Garland, you had me on your radio show many times in the day, back as a financial commentator. It is a pleasure to welcome you onto my show as an artist. Welcome out to lunch. So you're getting back? Yeah. You? Fortunately, you're always very kind. So this <laughs> New Orleans is the birthplace of jazz. Because of that, we're more inclined to support jazz here than many other cities in the country, which in a practical sense isn't necessarily saying all that much. There's a pretty good chance that if you're an average New Orleanian, even if you say you love jazz, very few of your dollars are spent supporting it. In an environment like this, a jazz musician can starve to death from the enthusiasm. It's in this environment where one of New Orleans' most recognized and most ambitious jazz projects fights for survival. The Grammy Award-winning New Orleans Jazz Orchestra is headquartered in its own $10 million building, the New Orleans Jazz Market, on Aretha Castle Haley Boulevard. You may have heard of the New Orleans Jazz Orchestra for the right reasons or because of its stormy recent history involving alleged corruption. The orchestra has brought on Sarah Bell as its president and CEO to steer it out of troubled political and financial waters. Sarah, welcome out to lunch. Thanks, good to be here. Now Garland, it seemed like your whole career had been in preparation for the leadership role you were to play after Hurricane Katrina when you became one of the most influential voices in the city's recovery. Not long before that, you had been a full-time portrait artist. You were at that time seemingly pretty reluctant to put down your paintbrushes to spend all of your time and energy in the media. Now you've gone back to portrait painting again, and this time it looks like you're serious about leaving radio (laughs) and TV behind. (laughs) Interestingly, most artists strive for relevance, to feel like they're making some sort of a contribution to the society they live in. You have more than made a contribution to your city and your country. Do you feel now that you can paint for yourself in peace, uh, away from the political and financial demands, or do you feel your work as an artist still has some societal relevance? Uh, Interesting question. Uh, More than ever, 
I'm painting at peace. But recently, um, I've, I've discovered voodoo. Wow. And I've, I've always painted women. And when I didn't paint portraits, ne- for some reason, never paint men, but I paint women. And I, I kind of make them up. And my uh, father, when I was very young, when he would see a beautiful woman, he'd say, what a doll she is. And I started thinking, voodoo dolls. So <laughs> I don't I've know if there's ever been a merger like this. I've this combined is great. the two. And <laughs> surprisingly enough, I'm probably doing more of those than I'm doing a portrait. So maybe a little bit of accidental <laughs> societal relevance. Wow. Maybe. I do not want you to put pins in me somewhere. That is, uh, that is very scary. Now, when you do a portrait, unlike a, like a landscape painting, it's, it's, it's you and that person, right? You're, yeah, well, yeah. And, you know, the majority of people don't want portraits. Their, their wife wants them to get it, <laughs> or the husband wants them to get it, or they want their children to who don't want to do their portraits. And I always tell them the portrait's not about you. If it's good, it's going to last two or three or four generations, not your photographs, not your home. This will last beyond anything. And if it's really, really good, you can't ever tell, it might end up in some collection. And, and I think we've never had anybody turn us down after we made that argument. Wow. <laughs> Do they have, sometimes the uh, person that's going to be painted uh, has an idea they have to be kind of talked out of? Yeah. Uh, one, one of the last ones I've done recently was a, a doctor. And he, he just flat told me, I don't want to do it, but my wife does. And he was so kind and so gentle and came across as such a wonderful person. I actually moved him up in the list of portraits that I had. I don't know why, but I wanted to do it. And when I did it, I, I think he, he was more pleased than anybody. And he said, you're right, this is for the generations to come. And then what comes out of that sentence is that you have a waiting list, which is pretty good business, yeah, right? Yeah, it is. I've been very, <laughs> very lucky. Sarah, I'm sure you have a prepared answer for the question everybody asks you about how the New Orleans Jazz Orchestra is surviving the political and financial blows it suffered as a result of the founder and face of the orchestra, Erwin Mayfield, being charged with a series of uh, federal crimes, including wire fraud and, and money laundering. Once you've explained to a potential sponsor or a donor how you're leaving this unfortunate past behind and moving forward, what does the donor or sponsor want to hear next, given every other place they could invest with, what is going to make them feel good about being associated with the New Orleans Jazz Orchestra? Yeah, Um, I think it's a couple things. You know, it's the future of the organization artistically, um, seeing that we have an artistic plan and vision. Um, We have new artistic leadership with Adonis Rose, so they're always interested in his background and kind of his vision for the big band itself, and also really what we're doing in the community at the jazz market. What's the purpose of the jazz market? Is it just to have concerts? Well, no. We have our music education program. You know, it's a place for musicians to rehearse. Um, It's a place for nonprofits to have their meetings for free. So seeing that we're not 
just what maybe they thought the organization used to be that were really intentional about investing in Central City and in especially the musician community. How should we be thinking of it? The orchestra and the facility itself is one organization? Yep, mm -hmm. so the building, the New Orleans Jazz Market, is owned by the New Orleans Jazz Orchestra, which is the 501c3 nonprofit. So we own and operate it. We have a small staff of five people that keep it going. Um, you know, we're open Tuesday through Saturday, so we have a lot of traffic during the day. People just coming to get work done. We have free Wi-Fi and all of that. So uh, yeah, we own the building and operate it as a community center during the day, and then as a music venue in the evening. Also, we rent it out for um, different private events. Now, now Sarah, I got to be honest with you here. Yeah. You took, uh, you started as a development person, yes. and then while the facility was closed down, which was about 15 months, it didn't... Uh, well, the building itself wasn't ever oh, closed. Oh, the, the, uh, the band the wasn't performing right, necessarily, but the building stayed open. You know, we still had our music school. We still were doing everything else except having our band perform. But you took over as president and CEO during that period. Yeah. Um, what was... I, I mean, it was, was it one of those things, here, lady, hold this anvil? You know, it's, uh, was it, uh, what made you say yes? Um, so I live just a couple blocks from the jazz market, and that's how I got involved to begin with, because I could see its potential for the neighborhood that I was raising my kids in. Um, so having kind of been through the trenches with the organization, um, you know, the board, and I felt like there was nobody else in that moment that knew the history of the organization, knew kind of the trajectory that we wanted to go on that could step in, you know, and just take it and run with it. It started as an interim role and things were going well enough that the board had enough confidence to bring me on, you know, permanently. Think about all the not similar situations, but you remember Garland back in 1982 when Tylenol had the cyanide inside it yeah. and uh, yeah. things like, and obviously the BP uh, Horizon uh, uh, explosion. Uh, this is a tough situation for you. Yeah, I mean, rebranding is always a challenge, um, but I think our assets are really strong. Our band is amazing and it brings people together. We've, you know, even through all this, we've had five sold out concerts um, just yeah. in the last few months. So I think the community really can get behind, like you said earlier, the music. People love jazz, people love music. Um, so they can come, they can see our beautiful facility, learn a little bit about what we're doing in the community and enjoy a really good show. And Garland, you've been in TV and radio. Uh, you missed one of my careers. You said five. Oh, what, what's the... Uh... I was a janitor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my, my God. Janitor. Was that in Booty or was that... That was an American cyanamide chemical company. Whoa. And I was in charge of urinal cakes. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mike, that is the first time that... See Those that? words have been used, actually, <laughs> at Commanders, which is a... <laughs> One for the record books. God, well, one good thing about doing uh, radio is you get to... You could do it in your pajamas like we are today, which I yeah. don't think I'm giving away any secrets here. But it's a, what do you think of those different mediums, though? Um, you know, television was extremely good to me. I, I joke about it, but I went from being a janitor to the key anchor at the most successful TV station Dominated at that, that point, time yeah. in the United States. And I, I did it by lying. So I, I did. I lied about my resume and experience and everything else. Just got extremely lucky. So for 20 years, it was extremely good to me. And radio was an accident. But I liked radio better because the 
the reading, the amount of study that you have to do for interviews. And because of Katrina, we attracted experts from all over the world in every different category you can think of. So my barely high school education moved to PhDs in innumerable categories, and it was, it was so much fun. I mean, it was just fascinating. Wow. And you always seemed like you were having some fun in that, I, I too. Did. I did. I really enjoyed it. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Garland Robinette and Sarah Bell, president and CEO of the New Orleans Jazz Orchestra. Sarah Garland, this is the part of the show we call another great idea. Maybe you've got a friend like this, someone who's always got a great idea for you. Uh, they tell you about this job you should apply for, or that guy you should have a cup of coffee with, or a great investment opportunity you should jump on. You can take advice like this, and it turns out to be a disaster. You can dismiss this advice and miss out on something that might have turned out really great. Or you can take your friend's advice, and it turns out to be the best thing that ever happened to you. Do you have an example in your life or your career of a friend who had a great idea for you? Did you take it? And um, how did it turn out? Garland, I'll start with you. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Well, I, I, I go back. Let me take a step back. One of my, well, my best friend lives on the North Shore, and, and he had a friend in Phoenix who came to New Orleans as a tourist and bought a bunch of voodoo dolls, took them back to Phoenix, <laughs> gave them to Prince. Well, he got <laughs> what an odd gift 30 or 40 more requests after that, and my friend told me about it. And I said, you know, when you look at one of the real cultural icons of the city, it's voodoo. But there's very little art surrounding it. So initially, I started combining the little voodoo dolls with the beautiful women that I was painting. And then eventually, I started just making up dolls themselves, kind of as a fun thing. But we put them on the market, and they're gone in a couple of days. So a friend came up with an idea that I laughed at. I said, you know, who the hell would buy a voodoo doll painting or anything associated with it art-wise. And he said, well, I, I think people would like it. And so far, really have. You've got portraits where you, I guess you do about four years or so, but they're methodical. They take a long time. So this, is, this as your second business, produces you know, much yeah, quicker cash flow. The accidental business, that's fun because what happens is I put up a canvas, turn on classical music, jazz, rock, whatever it may be, and paint to the music, and whatever comes out, comes out. And it's, it's just, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but when it does, it's, it's just like, what I think it's like, I think it's like a jazz player, player that gets into a groove, and you hear them talk about it. They, they're not there anymore. They're in another zone. And it it sounds like a cliche, but I think when you're listening to music and you're painting, you go to a zone where you're not doing it anymore. Just whatever comes out, comes out. And it's it's been spectacular fun. So whatever... uh Whatever genre of music you're playing has an impact on this. This is a yeah, it, it, it does. In fact, when I paint portraits, uh, if if I paint jazz that's fast, I paint fast. If I paint Bocelli, uh, I I paint slowly. Uh, I paint to the music, and I think it has an effect. 
well, it's working. So far. So far. <laughs> Did you have a, um, a friend or relative that had some advice for you? Everybody likes to give me advice. Really? <laughs> one of those. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I'm also very hard-headed and stubborn, so I don't always take so you're polite the about advice. It, but not of course, take. always <laughs> polite. That's probably the best advice. Always be polite. Um, you know, especially with uh, everything that's happened with the jazz orchestra, you know, and deciding whether to take on the role of president and CEO, I think the consistent advice I got was um, just the reminder to loyalty. Um, you know, people were leaving the organization, staff members were being laid off, and me just having to decide, what am I going to be loyal to? Do I believe in a vision, um, and do, am I confident enough in myself and my own ability, um, and the rest of the team to really fulfill the potential? And so, uh, yeah, a lot of the advice I got was just be loyal, you know, and stick it out until you feel like you are released from it, you know, by whatever reason, then just go for it. So um, that's, I think, good advice just in life, you know, it's like stick still, to it. You still have your heart in. Things. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. As long as my heart's in it, I'm there. Um, that must have been tough, though. You came in and had to lay people off. and. Yeah, you know, it wasn't easy at all. And Because that's is, not your major. You were like a human growth. Yeah, what was human it? development Human development and human growth. That would be a whole yeah, different yeah, subject. Yeah, that's a lot different. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah, human development and family studies. But, you know, that's all about people, too. It's And so learning how people operate and how to talk to people and um, really empathize with people. So it's not easy when you're downsizing, obviously. But uh, I learned a lot. <laughs> I learned a lot about leadership in that time. You know, Garland, you, I've got to give you credit. You were an environmentalist before anybody was an environmentalist, to be honest. And, uh, and you know, I think not only is should be very proud of that, but you came from the part of the state with a lot of oil field uh, work. Was, was yeah. that tough for you? Yeah, uh, I grew up in a humble oil camp in the swamp really? outside of Dissolve. Uh, if you're yeah. too young, that was uh, what we think of as Exxon now? Well, it was Humble Oil S.O., then Exxon. Oh, boy. That's how long ago it was. <laughs> but um, it, it was funny, I'll tell you quickly. I, in, in TV, one of the first jobs I had, I covered the legislature in Baton Rouge, sat next to a geologist, and he said to me, where are you from? And I said, well, I lived in the swamps outside of Dissolvents. He said, what do you think about losing the wetlands? And I said, what's a wetland? Uh -huh. And he said, come back to my office. And he had taken U-2 spy plane transparencies and put them in a, a Disney-type machine where it, it flipped and showed motion. And I watched the end of the state not retract. It breaks up like bread. And I was horrified. And I said, how much are we losing? He said, 60 miles a year. And I went back and I did. Yeah. Every year I did a documentary all over the world about wetlands loss. And in 1985, I think, uh, management came to me and said, no cards, no letters, no phone calls. Nobody cares. And I quit. And the oil and gas thing that I learned about, yeah, that was because it, it funded my life. But at the same time, it contributed to it. So 
as an environmental reporter, I had to tell the whole story. You know, I've been to those these places. I mean, so it was a like an encampment of all the employees in it that area? It was in the swamp. It was about 10 houses. I would tell people I grew up in communism. Exact same houses. We all had a pair of blue jeans, a couple of denim shirts, a couple of T-shirts. Everybody drove a pickup truck. We had P-Rocks. Everybody had the exact same thing, and it was heaven. It was heaven. So if you go to the swamp in a very small area, communism is really good thing. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great business show we've supported, voodoo and communism. This is, a, this is really going. <laughs> Making a living in the arts is not for the faint of heart. It requires single-minded purpose, belief in yourself, and the ability to keep working amid the myriad distractions around you. Garland and Sarah, you're both at different stages of very different careers, but you're both equally integral parts of the rich fabric of the arts here in New Orleans. It's been a real honor to have you on the show, Garland, and a pleasure to meet you, Sarah. And by <laughs> My guests on Out to Lunch today have been New Orleans media luminary and artist Garland Robinette, co-owner of Robinette Studios, and Sarah Bell, president and CEO of the New Orleans Jazz Orchestra and New Orleans Jazz Market. You can find out more about Garland's art and Sarah's jazz by following the links on our website. It's neworleans.com. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our researcher is Maggie Mendel. You can listen to this show and to past episodes of Out to Lunch wherever you get podcasts and at itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and It's New Orleans Facebook page. The photos were taken today by Allison Moon. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business, New Orleans style, on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com. And by Short & Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas, and Orange Theory Fitness.